Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on tonight with our expectations series. And for those of you who haven't been listening so far, first of all, go back and listen to the previous episodes. You know, do your homework here. No, well, seriously, we're, we're talking about two disparate players 
Uh, you know, usually one offense and one defense, not always, but we're trying to keep players out of the same position group. So I went to a bunch of local analysts. I asked them, who would you like to talk about? Two individual players, not two at the same position. And they picked in, in each case, two players that were, uh, they were passionate about, had some things to say about, which I think is a good way to do it. Uh, a little confusing to some people when they, when they see tonight's topic, which is going to be uh, Tylen Wallace and Geno Stone uh, expectations. Uh, but uh, Gabe, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Uh, thanks for having me back on the show. And, you know, I brought up these two players because I thought they have an interesting opportunity this season. Um, you know, they, in terms of both of them, they were limited last year, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. roster has been shuffled a little bit. So I think there might be some ability for them to fill into, you know, a more consistent role, perhaps. Yeah, kind of a pivotal year for each of them. By the way, this is Gabe Ferguson. He is <laughs> at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. Let's get make sure that's in there. He does Raven's Situation Room with Jordan Coe. Uh, great stuff. Definitely a great follow. You want to make sure you're you're uh, following him for some excellent Twitter conversation there. But uh, in agreement on Wallace and Stone, um, you know, Wallace entering year two and Stone entering year three are really a pivotal years. Uh, Stone, maybe even more so in terms of what his future is in the NFL. But uh, Wallace is... is uh, to me, he's almost going to go Plinko into one of two bins here at this career, uh, at this point in his career. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he drops, uh, you know, where he ends up. Who would you like to start talking you know, about? I think Wallace is the more interesting one um, based off of, you know, just the way that the position has developed over this offseason. Obviously, with the trade of, of Marquise Brown, um, there's a lot of snaps, targets, available in, in the Ravens offense now that were that were not there last season. So um, obviously Tylen Wallace was a rookie last year, drafted in the fourth round. Um, he didn't really see the field until the end of the year um, when the Ravens were kind of out of contention at that point, um, for the most part, it seemed that way. Um, he started to see a few snaps, but not significant um, role. But I, I think that it's kind of a little bit up in the air who's going to be that kind of you know, outside receiver, outside of, or opposite of Rashad Bateman in this offense. And I think Tylen Wallace has the profile to potentially fill that role in this coming season. Okay. So Wallace played just 7% of the offensive snaps in 2021, six targets, two catches. There's nothing impressive about his receiving year that I can pull from that, obviously. What you said, one nice thing is that he just turned 23 on 513. So he's not an older player. He's he's uh, the right age for a second year player. In fact, you know, still young for that. Uh, What was really good about Tylen Wallace's rookie year is how well he played on special teams. He he played on all four kick and punt return teams uh, with nine tackles. You know, you could look at players like Chris Moore. He immediately comps to as a guy who uh, was there a lot more, had a lot of big plays on special teams. He's got a ways to go to 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 get there. But he but he did play well. in terms of, of where he goes on offense, slender guy, um, to me, uh, there, there's a question of whether he would be an X or Z receiver. I mean, he's only 6'0", 190. That's just not that big for an NFL receiver. So I kind of see him as a Z and not an X. Uh, how are you feeling about yeah, that? I think that's the correct um, role for him. Um, he, you know, when he played last year, when he was on the field, I think he played actually more out of the slot than – anywhere else but the Ravens did have you know two outside receivers already with with Bateman and, and Brown um so with Brown's you know leaving there there is that kind of role um opposite of Bateman that I think Wallace could fill and, and that's why you know I wanted to talk about him a little bit 
from what he did in college perspective because sure. um, he pretty much played almost entirely the right wide receiver when he was playing at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. Um, outside about 80% of his snaps, um, he played in the slot a little bit, but that wasn't where he was predominantly used. Um, he was a very productive college receiver. He did play in, in like a wide open, you know, Big 12 defensive questionable, you know, that, that, that's kind of one of the things you can always take with a grain of salt. But in his sophomore year, he was a finalist for the Blitnikoff Award. Um, so that's like the, mm-hmm. you know, the the wide receiver award, best wide receiver in the country. Um, 1,400 yards, you know, dynamic downfield threat. He had impressive speed, ability to high point, uh, make plays after the catch. He's a very physical player. I think that's something that you could see in his college tape. He likes to see contact, run through contact, break tackles. Um, a lot of those things, I think, can translate to the NFL if he gets the opportunity. Um, he did have an ACL injury after his junior year. So that might have been what caused him to maybe slow down a little bit. He didn't run a great 40. I think it was like around the 4 or 5 range. And he wasn't quite as explosive in his final season at Oklahoma State. The Ravens drafted him later than I think he was projected to go by a lot of analysts. I think he was seen as kind of like a third-round guy. The Ravens got him at the end of the fourth. Um, Mm -hmm. So a a lot of those traits that we saw in college, you know, I think they can be useful in the NFL. His ability to kind of high point the ball, um, make contested catches. He's a good route runner, not a a great route runner. Um, But he does have, you know, a lot of those abilities that you could see from that from that Z. Um, I receiver position. Yeah, that that is something I think he really needs to improve is is route running. Um, he, he had a lot of A or B receiving routes that that uh, at at Oklahoma State that you know you're you're seeing heat maps of where his targets is. They're all on the right side of the field. That would yeah. tell you that there probably is a problem with the uh, total set of routes he's running. And he might have been Derek Mason there and done a lot of stop routes and comebacks and and then you know have one really good move he can put on to go deep, which accounts for a lot of the yardage. But uh, you know he he needs to do more as a route runner. That's something I really want to see him take a step forward in, develop a little wiggle, make that cornerback miss, make that quarterback take the wrong first step at the top of the route to get separation. In his case, it's almost necessary for, for survival because his speed is just yeah. average. And, and he's going to really need to to make people do the wrong, make people take the wrong move. Yeah, I, I think he definitely lost some of the explosiveness he had earlier in his college career after the injury. Um, I don't know if there is still some working back from that. Um, it, I mean, it's been two years since then, so you would think that if there was a recovery timeline, he would be at the end of it at this point. Um, so, I I do think that last year it was a little bit of a you know, a numbers game with him, you know, the Ravens had Broughton Watkins, they already had Hollywood Brown, you know, Perche and DuVernay were already in front of him as kind of that slot guy. So I, th- I think he didn't really have an immediate kind of fit on the team. He did, you know, get mm-hmm. on the active rosters by playing special teams. Um, you, you mentioned that I think he was actually quite good um, as a gunner. Um, if, you, if you look at some of his highlights on special yeah. teams, um, and he kind of showed some of those abilities that can translate a little bit to the route running and those releases at the line of scrimmage ability to get off of the block. Um, I think that can translate into his ability to, you know, create separation in routes as well. Um, and he did have, you know, pretty good speed getting down and covering punts. So I think there's a lot of potential with him. It's just going to be a matter of him being able to carve out that role for himself. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about this kind of being, you know, a year where he can either go one way or the other. 
Oh, yeah. Crossroads year for sure. And you, and you see this happen with a lot of young receivers, a lot of young safeties, a lot of young corners where they're, they're at this year and they've established themselves on special teams, but they haven't established themselves at their primary offensive or defensive position. And then they can kind of get kind of get categorized. And, you know, he's he's definitely in danger of this. Chris Moore never really escaped. Um, being a special teams ace, even though he had 20 catches one year, I think I think he caught 20, 19 out of 25, maybe he caught one year. So, uh, you know, he it's it's not like nobody could have thought of Chris Moore that way. It's just you know he he, he just didn't have the tools that really uh, jumped off the tape at anybody at anybody when they uh, when they saw him as a receiver uh, that that uh, was different on special teams. Obviously, for me, I, 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 the crossroads here is is the is kind of the central thing for uh for Wallace and and uh if he continues to play great special teams he can make about 10 million dollars playing this game for eight or nine years in this league because I think he's the kind of guy who survives continues to play at the vet minimum uh becomes a special teams leader he plays all four kick and punt return coverage units you know that's 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 what you need uh you know or guys who can defend the gunner you know uh be the gunner uh, play anywhere from L1 to R5 on, on the kick return unit. Uh, you know He's on the kick return unit himself, too. He probably could even return kicks if that's what you want him to do, but uh, don't necessarily think, you know, he won't do it with yeah. Devin Duvernay around. Um, but it's but it's an important year. If, he, if he's going to establish himself as a receiver, it's never going to be yeah. a better situation than it is right now. Yeah, and, and obviously right now, um, I think there's a lot of, Maybe anxiety or consternation in the fan base about you know the wide receiver position, and I think that's understandable. You know there there really isn't much in terms of proven pass catching at the wide re- wide receiver position on the Ravens' current roster. Um, I do think that you know the Ravens have drafted players in the in the mid rounds and third, fourth, fifth round. Um, so some of these players you would eventually like to see become more than just kind of depth um, more than perhaps perhaps just like a, a backup um, obviously you know you talked earlier about Devin Duvernay um, the Ravens have primarily used him out of the slot and in the past and the same with James Prochet and, and that's why I kind of was interested in Wallace and seeing if he can be that player who can translate to playing on the outside as, as the Z um, and if he can become that main wide receiver that's on the field maybe you know, 400 or 500 snaps because he takes that role and runs with it. If he can gain a rapport with Lamar Jackson, I think he has an, a potential to actually be, you know, a viable wide receiver in the NFL. Um, but he's going to have to, you know, get that rapport with Jackson in, in the offseason and, and the OTAs and, and the mini camp, um, you know, training camp, the preseason. It's going to be really critical for him to be able to create a role for him in, in the offense and not just be that, that depth guy. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. In terms of the, the rapport with Jackson is probably, you know, a a 10 consideration on a scale of one to 10. The the thing that's a six or a seven on this team is being a reliable run blocker. Yeah. He can get a lot of snaps just by being a reliable run blocker. He can be on the field. Now, Miles Boykin was able to do that very, very well, but he wasn't able to then convert the receiving opportunities that he had as much. And, and Wallace could, you know, he'll get some targets if he's just on the field for a number of run plays and yeah that that could lead to some lead to some positive things with regard to the other point the consternation on the fan base i want to take a take a dive down that rabbit hole for a minute i've been thinking about what would be another good series to do this summer but one of them and and part of it is my frustration in general with fans who want to buy one of everything 
And, and they, they said, don't tell me about the cap. Just go do it. Put on the credit card. I push it down the road. Kick the can. You know, they, they, they just have no desire to manage the cap. So the, the series I'd like to do is tell me how you would save money. Give me your specific strategies for saving money against yeah. the cap. And we'll, t- we'll talk as long as you want about that. And I, this is a, this is a prime opportunity. I mean, these guys are untested. Duvernay has basically been been put in a pure gadget role and not given much else in the way of opportunity. Tylen Wallace, uh, you know, has not been done what he did in college, and that Z receiver spot has opportunities to scheme for him too. For the do do I say one other thing? For Z receivers are uh, not tethered to the right. line of scrimmage. That's kind of in the description. So your X receiver is so he might have to stand in against press coverage. Usually on the left side, Ravens usually have an inline tight end on the right side. Not always, but usually. And then the receiver on that same side uh, can be off the line of scrimmage. And it makes it easier for him to release because you you can't press him as easily by being right up in his face because he's a yard back. But also he can go Mm -hmm. in motion and release that way. So you you have options in, in getting that guy a free release that would not otherwise occur sometimes like you know we, we talk about xyz yeah. and we never really explain it it's worth just going back to yeah also you know the z could be is often referred to as a flanker um and and, that, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that role you, i think you described it perfectly often especially in the ravens offense they use a lot of pre-snap motion they bring that receiver down mm-hmm. closer in a more condensed split uh, and that's really useful in, in run blocking to you know kind of like set up um mm-hmm. to set you know, to have a block on the edge there or down block. And then also, you know, it also allows them to have that free release in the passing game or, or in play action situations. Um, so that is definitely where um, he probably will fit into um, this offense. I think Bateman probably has the X wide receiver on lock. Um, that's definitely where, he, you know, he profiles best. He, he's, I think, easily hands down the Ravens' most uh, polished receiver already, you know, just um, based yeah. off of what he was able to do as a rookie, um, not having, you know, you know, the, the time with Jackson and even, but it, it was, I think he, he quitted himself well for what he was able to do. Um, and I, I think he will, you know, be able to attract the, you know, the number one cornerback, for instance, he's, he's going to get that kind of attention um, and how he's able to develop in a second year is going to go a long way. I think in terms of how the Ravens offense is going to look in terms of the ability to pass the ball down the field. Um, but with, with you know Wallace, it's I think it's really between him and Duvernay to kind of have that that Z um, wide receiver role, unless mm-hmm. the Ravens you know do sign someone um, on the cheap because um, they don't have the cap to really you know put much money there. Where, where would you spend the money? Would you try and get you know hold on a few extra dollars for the for the season when inevitably there'll be injuries? You'll have to go out and players. You might want somebody at the trade deadline uh, and go with these receivers. Or would you go out and get a receiver, a veteran of some sort now because you think the room is um, barren enough that it, it warrants it? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of split on it. I, th- I think it's okay to hold on to some cap room and there could be an acquisition available in free agency still later, um, a player that's unsigned or a trade acquisition is possible as well. You know, we've seen the Ravens acquire players via trade um, when the whatever position is, is not working out um you know we, we've seen like the marcus peters edition we've seen the um yannick Ngakwe position you know th- those are the ravens have you know gone into the season with you know the players that they have and said okay we'll see what we can do with this and then as it unfolds and they see okay there is a deficit here then they go and make the trade i, I think that could be what happens here if you can find someone for cheap you know 
someone like Will Fuller, I think, is a name that's been thrown around. He has the speed. Obviously, he's been very productive in limited um, windows in the past. Um, if you can bring him in for a, a cheap contract, I would be all for that as well. Okay. All right. So so that's that's at least a saving strategy as opposed to people who want to go get Julio Jones is a bad example because he'd probably be pretty cheap at this point. But but, you know, some other big name receivers are that, that are out there. Yeah, It's hard to say at this point um, of the offseason if anybody's really going to be that expensive. I, I don't know if we saw how much um, Kyle Fuller was signed for, but I don't think any free agent who's coming in at this point is going to be very costly, maybe with the exception of Jadavian Clowney, who just signed like a $10 million deal with the Browns. Um, that's a lot more money than most players get this time of the year. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think anybody who, you know, is still available and looking to play is, is can't really afford to, to be that big contract person. If, if, if they want to play, you, you gotta, you know, find the team that's going to have the role for you and you work with whatever they're willing to give you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what ends up happening with Justin Houston. I think he's the, the primary guy the Ravens are still planning yeah. on signing. There's still an incentive deal for him, and it could be there's a receiver that there's an incentive laden deal for too. I just I didn't feel like the Ravens really got terrific value out of Sammy Watson last year. Uh, he did make a yeah. few catches, so it's not really fair to say this. But you know, the catch at Detroit set up the field goal. The catch at Chicago won that ball game. Uh, so it's not like he did nothing. It's just I I I, I would not say. The Ravens would want to go out and get that again for five million right now. Yeah, I, th I think, and you know, he was a little bit earlier in the in the free agency period as well. I think because um, it's, I think they brought him in before the draft, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so they brought in Houston later in the in the off season. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's it's tough to really. Um, I mean, the, the Ravens, they're not going to overpay for, for a, a player, um, especially at this point. And if they, if they, I think they want to try out the young guys. They also brought in undrafted free agents, several at the wide receiver position. One of them might be, you know, a lottery ticket. Um, so it's potential that they want to just go with those guys, um, see how they perform. Um, an undrafted free agent is someone you could also, you know, potentially let, let go later on if it's not working out and, and bring in another sure. player on, on a contract or a, on a trade situation. I mean, I, the reason the undrafted free agent possibility is really attractive to me this year is because they've got some good size options on yep. the roster. That's number one. Number two, it obviously resets the clock to year one on these guys, even guys who've been around previously on the Ravens practice squad. I'm not sure who they still have. That's like that. I was thinking Benjamin Victor's still with them, but he's now with the commanders, I think. Uh, but, but they'll have other, other players available who, they don't actually have to make the team this year still to help you. They've got residual value as practice squad guys who could come up during the year. And there's just not a lot of pilfering of second tier wide receivers from the practice squad. It just doesn't happen that much. Uh, but if they're, if, if you, um, if you find that gem that you really like this year, you've got a spot for him now, if you don't sign that, that veteran wide receiver and, and, you know, he can actually make your roster this year. It's an oddball year. And uh, then you got a four-year option on that guy. And, and uh, boy, you talk about your lottery tickets paying off. That's how it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of players that the Ravens looked at. Obviously, they had kind of their pick of the litter in terms of the wide receivers. And you know, they brought in some different types of bodies, some big bodies, some more slot types. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with them. And maybe one of them is someone who just impresses right away. All right, let's get back to Tylen Wallace now because we want to talk a little bit about what are his – uh, some additional yeah. goals and then get down to a good grade. But I've got a couple more goals here uh, and then 
you jump in if, if you want one after this one. Um, be ready in the event of injury should be obvious. You know, he's got he's to be proving himself uh, day after day in practice, working with whoever he is in terms of a number two quarterback or whatever, doing the best he can with those reps to make himself the obvious choice when that time comes. That's one for me. Yeah. I, I have more. You know, I, I agree with that. And, you know, we said that, you know, Bateman would be the X receiver, but if something, something would happen to Bateman, then mm-hmm. Wallace really kind of profiles as the only guy who can play at the X role. Cause I, I can't really see Duvernay or, or Perche being that player in this offense. So he's the, probably the next man up in that position as we speak right now. Yeah. Or it's a UDFA where they go outside the organization. I mean, they're, 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 they'd be out of options at that point. I do think he kind of struggled mm-hmm. in that role, you know, it, 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 being a yeah. press guy, uh, you know, being a guy who could be pressed at only 190 pounds. I mean, an awful lot of cornerbacks in this year league weigh 190 pounds and are six feet tall. That's, that's true. I guess it's kind of like the standard. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Anyway, uh, if, I, if I'm looking for another thing, uh, continue a strong special teams play. Didn't miss five tackles last year, according to PFF. That's something he should reduce. And I know there are more missed tackles on special teams because of the uh, speed at which players approach each other. And sometimes there's missed tackles and there's missed tackles. So on special teams, if you turn the guy around, you've really done something positive where, um, you know, if you do that on, on, uh, um, on defense, in the secondary, that's not acceptable. So in, in, in the backfield, it's acceptable, but in the, in the secondary, generally not acceptable. Yeah, I, I think you're right about, you know, how those tackles might be missed because he, he might be, you know, kind of forcing the player to turn away from him and turn into another you know, special teams player who's coming to make the tackle. It's it's kind of because special teams is really a team effort getting down there and, and making sure mm-hmm. that they're herded in the right direction. And, and you have, you know, other players forcing it, in the, in the same direction. So oftentimes, you know, the first guy makes, doesn't make the tackle. It's, it's a very common special team. So I, I think that's probably yep. where he's at. And he's often the first player down the field when he's, you know, as the gunner. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, one other thing I'm really going to be looking for this year is look where he lines up when they kick off in particular, because he's always going to be the gunner. He's always going to be covering a gunner. I mean, that's a given role on, on his punt coverage, but where is he on, on kick return coverage? And if the Ravens will have one guy, if they really like them, that they'll move around all over. So the opponent can't scheme against him on a, on a, on a, uh, you know, play after play basis. They might get it right once, but, but if they keep moving him around, it makes it more difficult to keep track of the guy. Um, if Wallace is that guy, and if you see him you know, lining anyone anywhere up between L1 and R5 on a kickoff, then what that likely means is that he's the key guy the Ravens are using as the wild card to go down there and, and try and lead the charge. And that would be pretty cool if he's it. It could be it could be Jefferson, mm-hmm. but Jefferson to me profiles more as the guy who will be trailing and making sure the lanes are covered. You know, and 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 being um, you know a better kick up. That's how that's how you know if you give up a big kick return, it's almost always because a lane, a tackle gets broken, a block gets made, but also a lane breaks down. So you don't you don't collapse and 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 shorten up the field the way or uh, uh, what do I call it? Constrain yeah. the field in the way you're you're uh, expected to do. All right, are we ready to talk about a good yeah, and a great I think year? So. All right, so let's go ahead. I, I'll I'll start off, and I, I've got a good year for Tylen Wallace's. He continues his outstanding special teams play, improves his tackling there, um, becomes known as one of the top tier players in the league. And I'm, I'm going to say that's a good year, even if 
his wide receiver time remains minimal because I think there's some outside factors involved. If the Ravens go outside the organization, I think he's already put a big disadvantage in terms of that. But he could be the next Anthony Levine guy if 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 he continues to play at this level on special teams. He could be an eight-year Raven, a nine-year Raven, uh, just as a special teams player. Yeah, I agree with, with that. I, I think you know, I was thinking if he can be active every single game day, you know, that that's a good start mm-hmm. for him. I, you know, given the wide receiver situation, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Um, and then I think also part of that, at least I would like to see at least being part of the wide receiver rotation. Um, he, he didn't really get there until the end of last year. He was, he's basically not seeing any offensive snaps through the first, you know, three quarters of the season. If he's out there, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game, um, I think that is, you know, at least on the path towards having an opportunity in the offense is proving that he has, you know, some role, whether that's mostly on rundowns and he's just out there run blocking or if he's out there seeing some targets as well. I think that's a step in the right direction for him. I, I like that as an addition to, I think that's, that's a good increment to being a good year. And it could be, he doesn't quite make my standard yeah. as a special teams player and he gets 75% of what you want as a receiver too. And that would be pretty good. I'll move on to a great is that he comes to camp with something to prove. He latches onto that Z receiver position. He's got improved route running that they say, wait a minute, who's this guy? (laughs) And uh, his role as a receiver increases and he becomes a trusted run blocker during the year. I think all those are kind of independent of the special teams role. And if Wallace develops as a route runner in the way that he might, he actually might Mm -hmm. drop off a lot of his special teams. Yeah. I mean, there's a potential for him to become and essentially too um, important for offense, then he loses special team snaps because of that. And I think that would be, you know, a great role for him if he can take on that Z position and be out there, you know, 60, 70% of the snaps for that position and really get command of that role in the offense. And then, you know, we can talk production too. I mean, that's probably looking at 50 to 60 targets, thinking about what Miles Boykin was seeing in the offense. Um if he's out there for, you know, that many snaps, he should be seeing some targets. Um, hopefully he can turn those targets into, you know, yards and touchdowns. But um, I think the get just being on the field on offense and ha- really carving out that role is, is what I would like to see from him. Okay. Miles, Miles Boykin, by the way, um, had 56 career targets with the Ravens. And this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm not real crazy about making numbers yeah. expectations is that there's so few total targets, mm. total handoffs when Lamar's already, you know, running the ball a lot. So, um, I, I, I tried to stay away from that and things I did because it's also kind of out of the player's control, yeah. but if he's on the field and he's producing in the run game and he's, and he's, uh, you know, being making himself available as a as a receiver, he'll he'll get some targets. That's a shocking stat to me that Boykin only had fifty six. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking he was getting like forty or fifty a year, but I guess I was completely off on that. Wow, 40, 40 games, fifty six targets. That's one point four <laughs> per game. Thirty three receptions. But his first year, he caught thirteen of twenty two. Then he then he went to nineteen of thirty three. Mm-hmm. Then one of one in in last year in eight games. So, wow. uh, you know, not what they wanted. Not what they thought they were drafting. Yeah, and he had the body type and, and the physical ability and, and specimen that you would think would be that, you know, good outside receiver, but just never really had the will, it seemed, to, to, to compete. I, I problem was, I think he, he had a, a really long zero to 60 mm. time. He was like a Chevette, even though he had a good high speed. He yeah, it was like a Chevette accelerating to 60 miles per hour. But Boy, the guy did everything he could to to prove himself as a run blocker and be on the field for a lot of snaps. So at least that that was uh, uh, helpful. To the also offense. a great special teams player. 
Let's move on and talk about Geno Stone if we can. Uh, another exciting one. Uh, return to the Ravens after a waiver selection by Houston late in 2020. So the Ravens, first of all, were ready, reading, no doubt, the PFF <laughs> draft guide from 2020, who, which had Stone as the 53rd best overall player. Still kind of ridiculous. They've got somebody every year that, that they that they have in that uh, spot. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he was drafted in the seventh round on a trade. I think the Ravens acquired that pick by trade. Mm. They selected Stone. And then they um, uh, they had to waive him late in the year. He was actually uh, he went through COVID protocol at one point. I guess that was for that Pittsburgh game in 2020. Uh, then they had to d- dump him. Houston picked him up. That's a problem always. You know when you when you it's one of these uh, players who's uh, you know in their first four years they have to go through the waiver process. And he was taken. And then the offseason, Houston dumped him, and and the Ravens resigned him. And uh, he came back, played 206 snaps that last year. And that's as I count them. You'll see different number that'd be a little bit higher than that. That includes penalty mm-hmm. snaps and maybe some spikes and stuff like that um, that would be on other sites. But uh, 20.3% of the team's defensive snaps uh, had a really terrific preseason. People may forget in 2021, he had two yeah. interceptions in that one game. One is an undercut. One is an overthrow interception. I was crowing about that for weeks in terms of, of, you know, I love to see safeties who can patiently wait for the overthrow as opposed to guided missiles who love to go to the midsection of the, of the receiver play after play. Yeah. I mean, he, he did finally get that real interception at the end of last year and I think in week 18. Mm-hmm. So he is on in the, you know, the score sheet for that. Um, he was mostly um, used after Elliot got hurt um, in, in the, in last season um more i think what you consider him a dime safety um yes he, he played the back yeah. end in dime uh and and they moved uh, mm-hmm. clark really up front yeah so he dime. played mostly in the free safety role um i think you know in the current roster he would probably be third in line for free safety behind um um, Marcus and then Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, I think he has the ability to play free safety as well. Um, but I think you know Stone. I think proved himself on the field last year. You know, he wasn't a liability. Um, he seemed like he had a good sense in coverage. Um, not out of position very often. He doesn't have the great range or athletic traits that you might want for your your center fielder. But um, I think an intelligent player. Um, it's one of the things I liked about him. Um, when he was in college, I think he, you know, has a sense for, you know, how plays are developing, being in the right position. Um, and, and that's, you know, what got him some interceptions in college. And and, and I think we've seen that translate as well um, into NFL. Um, so he's a player that I think is also going to have to be a special teams guy. Um, you know, we talked about that with Wallace. I think, you know, Stone is going to have to be someone who can be on the field and active in special teams. Um, he's probably... What what the Ravens' fifth safety, sixth safety depends on how you view Washington. Probably the fifth. Um, so he, he's I don't even know if he's a lock to make the roster, um, but I think it's likely that he would, um, unless you know something strange happens. But um, he, yeah, I, I'm I I don't know if he's going. He's probably going to see the field less than he did last year. But I think that it's still going to be an important depth piece for the Ravens, considering. Um, that he's been on the team for a couple of years now. He's good understanding of the defense and that, you know, he, he kind of fills that, that free safety role better than some of the other players on the roster. Yeah. One of the nice things about the Ravens safety group this year is if they're going to put four safeties on the field, well, okay. They could, they could two play it one of two ways. They can declare 
right from the start that Tony Jefferson is a linebacker. Okay, you could do that. And you can say, well, he's our sub-package linebacker. What are you talking about? He's a linebacker. That's why he's in there playing, Mike. And, you know, so, so they can they can do that. And, and that's what uh, Pease used to get upset about questions about dime play or Levine in particular, because he'd say Levine is a linebacker. And I say, okay, well, he's a sub-package linebacker. But if he's going in to play weak side linebacker on third down, and I'm not saying this to Dean directly, by the way, but this is what I'm thinking, is – if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So, you know, that's a, that's a dimebacker. Don't tell me it's not. I mean, the guy played safety his whole career. He's going in on, on only third down. You wouldn't play him there on a rundown if you were really concerned about it. I mean, that's what a dimeback is. So please don't tell me that's not – please don't tell me to, to rearrange my understanding of the language to fit your needs here. So, But with, with Jefferson, they could say, hey, wait a minute. Jefferson's our fourth inside linebacker. He's, he's a Mike for us because we're always going to have somebody else in that will spot. Uh, it doesn't really matter all that much, honestly, who plays Mike and who plays Will uh, when they're on an obvious passing down. But Tony has been a good run fit guy. He, you know, he came to the Ravens as a guy who could who could stop the run. So it's not unreasonable that he'd be the I dare you to run it middle linebacker uh, for when the Ravens have a two touchdown lead in the second half. I love the you know, I love it like that. I love it at the end of the half. Uh, you know, I think getting the Ravens inside linebackers, frankly, off the field are very challenged in coverage is a, is a good plan to start with. Uh, and I hope really Tony sees the field in that role. But getting back to Stone, I think you're right. I think it's the back end. But if, if Tony's a linebacker, then he becomes only the fourth safety. And every team has to have four safeties. But the truth of the matter is, if you want four safety looks on the field for a fair number of snaps, you better have five on your yeah. roster. Because you you it's going to be maybe a little bit harder to replace that guy right when you need to. Yeah. Who was the guy in 2019 that they went out and got and he was not? It, it looked oh. apparently pretty good, and then he had a big big blown coverage against the Eagles. Uh, it's you know it's slipping my my brain, but I know I know who you're referring to, and yeah, I, he doesn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll look it up because I got to know now, and and uh, I I know I have it in my spreadsheets here, but go ahead and. Uh, uh, tell me what you think about in terms of goals for yeah, Stone. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think he really has to carve out a role in special teams, that, and that's how he's going to see see the field primarily. Um, you know, and you know, going back to how you mentioned the first goal for Wallace, Stone has to be available in case of injury. He has to be someone who can mm-hmm. be relied upon if there's some, something that happens to Marcus Williams. Um, I, I think, you know, the Ravens want to use Kyle Hamilton from what it sounds like. It's kind of like a Swiss Army knife as someone who can move around the formation and, and maybe not be constrained to a specific position. Um, Geno Stone allows you to do that with him still because you can still play Stone as the free safety um, in that backup position and I'll, I'll still give that flexibility with Hamilton. So I think that is probably how he sees the field. Um, and, you know, there might be, you know, end of the game situations as well, um, you know, two score type situations, but um, we never know how that's going to work out, but he's probably going to be an active player because of, of the special teams. And that's, what's going to keep him on the roster. Yeah. Okay. First of all, the player is, is Gilchrist mm. and it was in 2020, not 2019 that he came yeah. in the beginning of the year. That's when they played the Eagles. Yeah. So I'm, 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 it's coming back to me now, but uh, it, the I agree with you on the comments about Stone. Um, I think that that uh, Michael Crawford made the point to me that McDonald at Michigan had done a good job making players understand their role. And this kind of sounds a little bit like Earl Weaver in terms of mo- having multiple points of entry. So there would be 
different package circumstances that would almost be mm. designed for uh, you know different offensive groupings that would allow him to make a substitution. In some cases, just have that player you know be into the game, be ready um, to understand what his role is, and have a role. Uh, with Stone, I don't think they really need to manufacture that. I really think it is more about him being ready uh, to play if injured. But if you were looking to manufacture it, or even if you weren't and and, and you thought of a way, um, the fact that Kyle Hamilton could really move just about anywhere, come up and rush off the edge, come up and you know play press on a tight end. He could even be in the box as a dime, although I don't think that's the ideal use for him. Um, you know, he doesn't have to play specifically on the back end. And if you're, if you're deploying him somewhere else, well, you can, you can shift safeties on a down by Dan basis and stick stone in for snap here, snap there on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there might be certain packages uh, depending on what offense personnel is out there that you want to have, you know, two free, two true free safety types out there. Um, you know, yeah. there's certain situations, maybe coverages you want to run where that, where that makes sense. Um, and, you know, if you're having six defensive backs on the field, um, fairly regularly, which I think might be ca- common for the Ravens in this upcoming season. Um, there, there is a path there for Stone to being on the field more frequently than just being as as a, as a backup or as a special teams player. And I, I think that's you know something he's going to be prepared for. Yeah, I, I I agree. And and honestly, I think the Ravens may set their record for quarter snaps this year. They, they their record is 116 in 1996. I, th- I think they could exceed that this year if McDonald completely buys into the notion. He may not. He may say, no, nah, I really like having linebackers. Uh, Jefferson isn't exactly what we want there or whatever. But if Jefferson is exactly uh-huh. the guy that he likes as a sub-package, Mike, doors open. And and Betty Thompson replaced Ray Lewis in 1996 when they rolled up that 116 quarter package <laughs> look. So uh, uh, there's no reason there is precedent for it in, in Ravens history, certainly. Well, and certainly in today's Let's- NFL, you know, t- with with some teams that want to pass a lot, and it, it makes sense to have mm-hmm. safeties out there instead of linebackers, especially in obvious passing situations. Right, I I, you know, quarterbacks live in fear for their lives sometimes from the pass rush, but also in fear of their stat line in terms of interceptions. And I love the idea of being two scores up, having Lamar Jackson ready to come back in the game at any point, and basically, you know. The, the Raven, the other teams on their own 20 with 17 minutes left in the game, let's say two minutes left in the third quarter. And you just, you put out a quarter defense right away and you say, you know, I dare you to try and move the ball, run the ball all the way up the field to score here because you probably can't do it. But if you do, you're going to use seven minutes and you know it's going to, it's going to take a while to get there. And if you try and throw against us with, with seven DBs on the field, we're going to have a very good chance to stop that drive at any given time. Yeah, I like that strategy. Let's get let's get those two two score leads though. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, we have to. That is that is part of the part of the deal. And they'll play some bad teams. And they'll have some opportunities to do that. But this offense needs to go back to somewhere between 2019 and 20 efficiency in terms of of uh, where they are in the league. I, I'm thinking you know 2.65 points per drive is kind of the goal I'm setting. They were 3.08 in their historic mm-hmm. 2019 year, and they were about. I forget what they were exactly. It might have been two point six in the in the following year. Uh, well, they're still yeah. pretty good, but uh, uh, but anyway, uh, back to Geno Stone for a second. Other goals for him. Uh, I, I, I've got one other I want to mention before I talk about this is that I want him to be able to play a effective um, uh, zone defense. But this is also applies to almost any play where the safety you know, is out there in a in a in any kind of cover two situation where you might have cover two man, for example, where. Uh, he he provides a, a bracket that can be loose or tight on the back end. Uh, 
And I, I want him to be a guy who quarterbacks have to fear playing the overthrow that, hey, he's this Ed Reed esque and he'll never be obviously Ed Reed, but it'd be a guy who can be lurking on the back end. If you overthrow the ball, it's trouble. If the ball gets tipped, it's trouble. You know, if you hit the receiver in stride, he'll he'll hopefully be in a position still to make a tackle. And, and hey, he's a reasonable bracket coverage guy. But uh, I want Stone's instincts that we saw in college basically there again in that respect. Yeah, and I think that's something that does translate, you know, especially he seems like an intelligent player. Hopefully he's in the, in, you know, in the, in the film study room and, and, and watching uh, the defense he's learning than what, you know, McDonald's bringing. Um, and he seems like someone who would pick it up pretty quickly. Um, and he was here with McDonald for the one season when, so he, he's not going to be completely, you know, um, new to him either. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of carryover regardless from what, what the Ravens have been doing on defense. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, having him as someone, like I mentioned earlier, he's been in on the team for two years now. He's been there longer than several of the Ravens' current players in defensive back room. So that's going to probably be a leg up for him. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. Even lose, learning a new system, I, I would think that's true. And and Martindale obviously came up under Wink. Yeah. So he's, he's I don't know if, if that's completely true, he came up under Wink, but he, but he, he spent time with in Wink's system. Um, I, I'll give you another thing I really want to see for his back-end play. And I don't know that we've really seen this because I don't think we've seen it too much in terms of how Martindale ran the defense. I'd like to see them try more robber concepts mm-hmm. where they intentionally have a free safety Uh, out of cover two, whose responsibility is to come down into the box and take away one particular route from the quarterback that they see as key. Either Williams or Stone could do this. But in a lot of ways, Stone is the more practical guy because Williams is going to be the better Mm -hmm. back end judgment guy, maybe. So I want, you know, in a lot of ways, I I want Stone to try and take one away if he sees an interior route um, uh, developing that he thinks is likely the target. Well, you know, go ahead and go after that. You force the quarterback's eyes away, give your pass rush an extra chance to get home. But also, um, uh, you know, hopefully if if that throw is is made, it becomes a high risk throw if the quarterback doesn't see it and, and might occasionally turn into interception. Yeah, I, I think that's a natural fit for him. And, you know, if he is going to be on the field uh, with with Williams at the same time, then you can kind of get a little bit more you know versatility with those back end safeties, you know, move from the two high to the single high look um, and, and do that you know, that kind of like yeah. cover three Robert um, take away sometimes the seam route or like a in-breaking um, crosser. Um, and and that's not something that maybe teams will be expecting. Um, it's not something I think, like you said, that Martindale employed often. Um, I think, you know, maybe Dean Pease did it a little bit more frequently, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how that, you know, breaks out if, if he's someone who is trusted in that role. Uh, continue fine and special teams plays. The last thing I have, uh, on here. Otherwise I think we've, we've, we've hit on everything. Did you have any other goals for him for this no, year? That are no, specific? I think that's pretty much it. You know, he's, he's firmly in, in the backup role, I think at, at the free safety position, that's, you know, his, his best fits where he played last year and I, I he's not going to be a starter. So, you know, you know, unless, you know, obviously something terrible happens, but, um, you know, if he can continue to develop um, and and be someone who can be on the field a little more often, then then that that's probably good for him and it's good for the Ravens. Okay, uh, we ready to go in good and great here? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll I'll go first again, I guess. Um, he finds a way to get on the field for as many snaps in 2021 um, as he did in 2020, which is, by the way, that's a stretch goal there for for a good. 
um, and he is effective. And I think the, the best way, the best chance for that to happen is if the Ravens fully commit to these multi-safety packages, in which case I think he'll see his share and, and have some opportunities. And in addition to that, I want to see a special teams play continue at a high level and he become really become one of the leaders uh, on that. Unit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you with that. Um, I think I, I might you know put them in the other order where I would have more emphasis on the special teams and that continued good play there um, because I, you know, as the Ravens continue to turn over the roster, having those players on special teams that are really kind of the kind of the heart of that unit is really important. And having that con- continuity, um, having leaders out there who keep you know players in the right positions, um, and I think that's similar to what we talked about with Wallace. He might have a role as being a just a special core special teams player. I think Stone can carve out a, a niche not only in the Ravens but the NFL for you know maybe as long as a decade if he can be that core special teams player and and he's he has the profile to be able to do that he's a smart player hard hard nosed um good tackler i think he can be in that role yeah and at this point in his career he can be what i really hope for every raven is that if, even if they're a core special teamer that they have a contribution they can make on defense yeah. or offense and he certainly has that you know whether or not it's actually going to happen because there are available snaps he can do that for you whereas Levine and Richards in these last couple of years really were not in a position to contribute defensively very much, uh, even though they were still you know good special teams players. All right, let me, let me go on to the great. Uh, he's and this would be bad for the team, but great for him. He's called called upon to play because of injury, exceeds expectations on the back end, and that's all in addition to the special teams role. Now I'm not going to set any specific goals for him. No number of interceptions, number of snaps, nothing. But if the Ravens call on him and he plays effectively for however many games, it will hopefully bail out the team from whatever deficit they've they've got. Uh, it's not impossible. I mean, Chuck Clark might not be with the team by the opener. We have to realize that's a possibility. If that's true, Stone's role just became much more important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, with, with Clark and Stone, they don't necessarily play the same position or have the same role. Mm-hmm. You know, Clark plays more in, in the box um, than, than I think Stone would. But if they, you know, if for some reason Clark is traded, you know, if, if the opportunity arises, um, Stone or Jefferson might be kind of up for that that kind of you know box role. But or you might have Stone more on on the back end and in some like three safety packages, and and that's something that he can do well I, I think if if given that that opportunity and, and that would be a great season for him i think um i, I hope not for injury um i, I don't i don't want to go in that route but there is right. i think a real opportunity that that clark could be traded so that's probably the more likely scenario for 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 stone to seeing a more regular path through the field based on who they have at safety right now even if they lost clark do you think they keep an, a fifth safety if they um were to trade clark you know, that's a good question. And it, it gets back to what you were saying about, you know, do they want to have four safeties on the field? Um, and if they do, then I think you have to. Um, and, and maybe it depends on how you see a player like our Darius Washington. Is he someone you see as a safety or do you see him as a, as a corner, a slot corner, I should say? Um, that's it, interesting. I don't think you would trade Clark and then try to find a, a lesser player unless you can get a really good return for Clark. If you want to have that fifth safety on, on the, on mm-hmm. the roster, I don't think it makes sense. I think it, Currently, you know, you know, Clark was there in the in the off in the OTAs. You know, Harbaugh made it clear that he was someone that they counted on. He was a great player. That's who Clark is, and he's going to be there for the team. Um, he's going to be a professional, you know, no matter what. And you know, he might want to be out in a more you know consistent position on a, on a different team. 
Um, but I think if he is on the Ravens, he's going to be very professional about it, and he's going to you know take his role and and play as hard as he can, and that that's the kind of player that he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I don't see Clark giving anything less than one hundred percent of the field. I also don't think he's going to lose any snaps. I think he's going to maintain the green dot, and Hamilton is going to be the guy who might play seventy percent of snaps uh, with with Williams essentially playing a hundred. You know, barring injuries that are always likely to occur at some point during the season. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, it depends on how they want to use Hamilton. I think um, do they want to use him as kind of this movable chess piece? Then it makes sense that he doesn't have to be on the field for every snap. Different packages, it's, it's he can be used in different roles. Um, and and Clark, obviously, you know, he has that leadership role. He's been the player who's been you know the captain of the defense for what going on three seasons now. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with you, um, but I understand. On the other hand, it's hard to see Hamilton not being on the field that often. So that makes it interesting to see how the the personnel is going to be put out there. My comp is uh, Marlon Humphrey in 2018 mm-hmm. won the team MVP, and he only played like 70 percent of the snaps as a rotational corner. They 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 literally yeah. put in Brandon Carr over him at times. So you know, if if we're talking about Ravens history, I think there's precedent. So. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Gabe, always outstanding to talk football with you. Thanks for coming on again, man. We appreciate your your um, patronage to the show to make yourself available when needed. And it's always just a blast to talk. With yeah. You. you know, tell folks we're looking. It's, it's always fun, Ken. It, this is, um, I feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's been a little bit more regular uh, recently and I've enjoyed every time we come on. We have a great discussion each time. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, our, uh, Situation Room podcast that is on Film Study Baltimore website um, with that I co-host with Jordan Co. We'll be ramping things up once the season starts to roll around again. Um, you know, I think we take a little bit of a different approach, highlighting a few key plays that happened during the, the game, break down some of the the strategy that went into the play call, and um, trying to figure out you know how can the Ravens build upon these plays and and find ways to um, you know introduce some more you know, thoughtful and, and I think key um, moment and key moments in the game and, and really th- look at what the coaches are doing and, and look at it from that angle. So um, we're, um, you know, we're looking to just keep breaking down film. And I think, you know, Ken's given us a great opportunity on, on the website. So we appreciate that. All right. Outstanding, Gabe. You guys are, of course, welcome and and really appreciate all your contributions to the show. If you're out there otherwise and you'd like to be on a film study short this summer, looking for guests all the time. And I love to talk football with some new friends. Uh, give me a DM on Twitter. They're always open. Uh, I'll get back to you very quickly. If you have an idea for a series, even better. Let's talk about that. But otherwise, narrow topics we can discuss in about 25 or 30 minutes in some depth. And you hear the kind of depth Gabe and I go into talking about Tylen Wallace and Geno Stone. That's more than you're going to get from most other area analysts. So that's, that's kind of use that as a, um, uh, you know, an idea of, of, of how much bouncing back and forth and mental handball you should want to play in terms of coming on the show, but would really appreciate anybody else who just wants to, and is passionate about football. They're uh, always welcome. Gabe, thanks again for coming on. Thanks Ken. I always enjoy coming on. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.